you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Joe Rare. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's investor and outsourcing expert. And today, we're going to speak about how we can use virtual assistants to and outsourcing in general to grow our business. Hi, Joe. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, Joe, let's start by... Uh, Shortly introducing uh, your your story. I know that you you own uh, four digital companies, uh, five wedding venues, real estate investment properties. So you're doing a lot in business. Maybe you can start by telling our listeners how did you start with with your business journey and how did you get to where you are right now. Yeah. Uh, so my start was as a kid. I've always been interested in in selling stuff and and all that. Um, so that, I mean that's that's kind of where it started. Then when I was um, I think I was seventeen or eighteen, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, which mm-hmm. really kind of set me on an entrepreneurial journey. Realizing that you know if you want to build if you want to have wealth and you want to you know do amazing things, um, entrepreneurship is kind of the, the way to go. That's the path. And so I really, really honed in on owning businesses and becoming an investor. And that's where I wanted to get myself to. And, um, you know, it took a lot of failures to get there. But, uh, you know, I started, I actually dropped out of college to start businesses and, you know, built my first company, which was a door-to-door sales business. I had 40 employees. Um, I later sold that company. Um, I was 23 years old or so when I when I ended up selling it. Uh, and so that was kind of an interesting, you know, I, I probably got screwed in the process because I didn't know what I was doing selling a business. That was the first you know time. So I probably should have gotten more money from it, but it led me then into investing in some real estate, uh, getting kind of that part of my life, you know, off the ground. And my it really piqued my interest. And it was something I really loved dabbling and trying new things and and building businesses. Yeah. So and, and here you are right now having uh many businesses and then uh, yeah. uh managing so many things at the same time. So what you you you're saying is that you're actually not managing all of your businesses and no. doing everything in your businesses yourself and you have people doing this. So can you tell Correct. a little bit, a bit more about this concept? Sure. So you know, one of the things that kind of came up is I built some businesses and then failed. And then uh, did really well in real estate. And then the market crash of 08 and 09. And I kind of lost it all again. Um, then I read the book, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek. And that introduced me to the concept of outsourcing and using virtual assistants from anywhere in the world. And I took that concept to heart. And I actually, you know, really, I built a business page by page out of that book specifically. And I built an internet-based business that was run by virtual assistants um, I got to kind of cruise around and travel and do whatever I kind of wanted to do. And it was, it, it opened up the, the, the idea that this freedom lifestyle exists. It's real. And so once I had a taste of it, I was determined to do it again and again. And, um, somehow down that line, I got, you know, I, I don't know if I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot or something that made it seem like I had to have a bunch of, uh, you know, employees, but I ended up building a marketing agency using virtual assistants on the back end. 
but US-based employees on the front end, that got really, really crazy with so much overhead, so much expense. Um, and so we ended up shutting that business down for various reasons and moved back to just outsourcing. And I finally feel like I cracked the code and figured out how to actually have these businesses operate only using virtual staff, only using people overseas for me because my virtual assistant company is using uh, virtual assistants in the Philippines. Um, and so I, I figured out a process, a backend process and a system that allowed us to replicate over and over and over so we could build multiple companies having the backend run completely by virtual assistants. So the operations of the company, I don't operate the company. Um, you know, it's almost winter here in Montana. And so I will do my winter thing, which I snowmobile every day. And my company will be 100% run by virtual staff. Wow, that's so, that's amazing. That is so inspiring. I think that, you know, many people, they they have experience with, with working with virtual assistants. And yeah. uh, sometimes we are a little bit afraid to, to, we have trust issues that maybe they will not yeah. do the work exactly as we would do the work. And I know how I need to, I don't know, write my show notes, my podcasts, or do my, my visuals or, you know, you name it. So how yeah. do you start with actually breaking this pattern of doing everything yourself? What would you right. recommend to the beginner's it's a uh, it's a mindset shift. So it doesn't matter if somebody's in the US or it overseas. We have a problem where as entrepreneurs a lot and entrepreneurs are the worst at it, we don't initially we don't want to delegate anything because of what you just said. We can do it best. That's 100% true and that's the reason you're the entrepreneur. That's the reason you're the professional in that skill set. You're right. Nobody can do it better. That's one of the reasons you don't feel like you should go get a job doing that thing because nobody's going to pay you what you're worth. So you want to build your own thing. You want to have your own freedom. But now in your, all you did is you just shifted from a professional you know, role to now you just own the job and now you're doing the job. And so delegating and getting things off your plate is the first step. You have to shift your mind and realize there are things that people are going to have to do and if you can get somebody like, like there's a concept and I don't know who, who I heard it from and it's, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it, it goes something like this. If I'm the best at a skill set, and, but yet I can't grow my business if I'm the one fulfilling and I'm the one doing everything. What if I could get two people who are 70% as good as me? Well, if you combine the two of them, that's 140%. So now you have two people and they're better than what I could do, excuse me, on my own. So all of a sudden, the game changes when you start to realize one person doesn't have to replace me. And in my companies, there's five people who all combined are twice as good as I am. And, and understanding that it won't be one person who does the thing that you do best and they're better than you. It might be two, three, four, five people, but the reward on the back end, the freedom that it creates, the opportunity to scale and grow and do all the things that you want to do that only comes because you're able to delegate and get things off your plate. So shifting that mindset, understanding when it comes to the trust factor, you have to trust people who sit right next to you in an office. The only difference is you as the micromanager, you think that because they're right there, you can fix things faster, but it's still a trust issue. You either can delegate or you can't. And so I think it's more cost-effective. It's, it's got a much more lenient you know, rules and regulations when you outsource and you say, look, I'm going to test this. 
I'm going to practice with it, get a few things off my plate and, and start to flex that muscle of outsourcing and delegating. And that's how, that's where you start. You just literally have to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is absolutely <clears throat> true. What you're saying that, that uh, we, uh, th- there is no copy of uh, me, of you. That so there, there is no person that can do several things uh, the same way that we do. But there are people who are genius in certain things. Like for example, uh, I'm working with with a virtual assistant who helps me with with the podcasts, and she's very good yeah. at editing podcasts. Hi, Anya. <laughs> so she's <laughs> uh, she's good in you know putting things together and cutting things out and then uh, posting uh, the the things that she needs to post. But for example, she she's not managing uh, online course sales, and then then there is another right. person who is good in this. So yes, we need we need to look for several experts in different areas that we need support with and I think that there are two two risks connected with this from from what I see from the perspective of of, uh, the beginner entrepreneur first thing is that okay we need to pay all those people uh, to several people that and how to start where to start and then the second thing is what about the quality so they will not maybe be as good as I would do something and we still keep doing I don't know, copywriting or audio editing or some things that take a lot of time, but we, we think that, oh, they will do it worse. So how do you, how do you work with those two risks? So you start with the understanding that when you started doing the skill and the work that you do, you weren't the best at it either. So understanding that you, you sucked at what you did in the beginning, you weren't very good at it. Then you just did it over and over and you got better, right? And so what we like to do with our staff is we put them in situations where they have high volume of practice, super high volume of practice, do it over and over and over. And then they suck in the beginning, they suck less, they suck less until eventually they're pretty good, right? And now all of a sudden we have somebody who's pretty good. And now somebody who's pretty good is going to be better and worth more than you wasting your own time and working through and trying to find people and do all these things, like just train somebody and work them through and give them the opportunity. You're, you can be an entrepreneur and you can do everything yourself. You absolutely can. That is a fact. Some people choose to live in that, in that world where I want to get people to, and what I've been really, really successful with is helping people get beyond just themselves doing everything and letting them open up the door to, to like teaching people how to fail. This is a concept that a lot of people don't like is failing. Well, we give a lot of latitude for our team to go fail. Go go try something that you've never done before. Come up with an idea that you haven't had before and go see if you can execute on it and create some results. And now the results could be bad, failure. They could be okay, need improvement, or they could be amazing. But the failure is going to turn into the next the, the, to the next part, and you're going to continue to grow through that sequence of of trial, fail, get better, get good. And I think that a lot of people are so concerned with letting people have any latitude to go make a mistake. And virtual assistants are very scared to go make mistakes. So it takes us a lot of practice in sharing with them. You're not going to get in trouble. You know, we, this is part of the process. You have to go make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you don't grow. Don't stay in your safe space because if you stay in your safe space, you're never going to get better. And I think setting up a trajectory, a path to where your team knows where they're trying to get to 
is really, really important. They have to know where they're trying to go. Because if you're only thinking, I just need them to do that one skill, that's it. And I don't care about anything else. They're not going to grow as people. They're not going to stick around very long and and they're going to move on. And you are going to be back in the same boat where you're trying to find somebody else to fill that role. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully that helps. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, and what about, what about uh, recruitment? So how do you look for people who are suitable for specific task? There's a lot of ways. Um, you know, we partner up with universities overseas. We partner up with uh, recruiting agencies. We do our own recruiting. We do our own advertising. You know, we post jobs everywhere when we have skill sets we're looking to hire for. Um, we do a ton, uh, an absolute ton of uh, interviewing, and we bring a lot of people to the table to interview. There's a lot of people looking. I mean, there is an, an abundance of people looking for work. There's an abundance. They're they're everywhere. Uh, one of the hardest parts though, is taking somebody from they're interested in a role, a role, but then getting the vetting process and, you know, the kind of what we call skill set verification. We want to find out that people can actually do the thing that they say right now. It's really interesting people, you know, and, and not, this isn't, you know, an overseas thing. This is an everywhere thing. People very much want to look better than they are. And so we find a lot where it doesn't matter where somebody is, if they're in the US, if they're in Europe, if they're in Australia, Canada, or overseas in the Philippines and Asian countries, a lot of people are saying, I can do this level of work. Great. We put them to the test. We give them high volume. We make sure that they can actually do what they say. And when they do or don't perform, then we move them on through through our process. Um, So with our recruiting one of the the heaviest pieces of our recruiting, we can go find human beings everywhere. They're all over the place. Finding people that fit the the skill set you need with the background that you need, with the actual ability to execute, that's the ticket. And that's what our company's been doing for a very long time and why we're probably as successful as we are. Yeah. So I, I you know, I have a, an experience with the, the a virtual assistant by, from the Philippines, by the way. Uh, yeah. There was one lady who I started working with her and she said from what she said and from what she described that she was very good in many things and I had very high expectations and then she did not deliver things the the way uh, I and I thought that I trained her exactly how things should be done step by step and she said yes it will be done this this way and then things went different in a different direction so yeah. what do you do in such situations and i think that many people they face this the the this situation that yes i'm hiring someone uh who looks okay uh the training process is in place but then in the end the person does not deliver so what's uh, what do you recommend to do in such situation right so a couple things so the first thing that i would i would suggest number one is that um i would realize that everything is your fault. So entrepreneurs hate this. And most people, actually, it's not even entrepreneurs. Most people hate to be wrong. We hate to have something be our fault in, in a process that we feel like we built out and we, you know, we formalized and all those things. That's what we think that we got it right. Well, the reality is, is that there's some breakdown in communication. Now, there is an off chance that the person just sucks and they're not very good. That's a fact. That does happen. Now, But what's the likelihood that the way that you introduce them to your training, the way that you set your expectations, 
the way that you kind of future paced where they should be going and and what their what success looks like at each stage of your process, there's a higher there's probably a higher probability that that didn't go well and that that wasn't done effectively, which caused the failure. That that's a higher probability. So I mean, we have placed thousands and thousands of virtual assistants with businesses. 95, 6, 7% of every issue that we have is communication. Almost every single time somebody comes to us, I have a challenge. We go, okay, great. Let's start looking at the community. The first thing we do is look at communication. What have you guys been communicating? What's going on? And we start to look and you can see expectations aren't clear. Um, the training seems like it's a good training system, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, drink a water through a fire hose. It's too much. It's too fast. It's, you know, um, you know, it's not challenging enough. There's not enough there. Like there's so many things again, 95 plus percent is communication. So I would say to everybody, take responsibility, blame yourself first. If you're the entrepreneur, if you're the person hiring the team, everything that happens in my business is my fault. I don't even operate my companies, but it's my fault. So I step in and I say, great, this is my problem. What did I do wrong? Who's in the wrong place? Who didn't have the right expectations? If somebody was given the wrong expectations from somebody in my leadership team, guess whose fault that is? Mine, right? So now yeah. I need to go to leadership. We need to evaluate what we did and then we can make improvements. So the best thing to do is to blame yourself, realize that everything's your fault and then start to figure out where you can make improvements. Um, now, again, there is the off chance that somebody's just not very good at what they say. And in those in those instances, when you know that's a fact, cut and replace. Yeah. That's it. I love it. I love it. Taking radical responsibility for for yes. everything yourself in your business and communication. I, I like that. I like the way you said that. Radical responsibility. That's an interesting concept that I don't think people want to take. That is challenging to be radically responsible for everything. Yeah. However, how freeing is that? I mean, it's like, well, I don't have to go. It's not that person's fault. And since it's not their fault and it's my fault, I can affect change because otherwise you're sitting around waiting and worrying about things you don't have any control over because it's somebody else. Well, it's not somebody else. It's me. And so when I fix it, this is how it goes from this point forward. So that's pretty yeah. cool. I like radical, radical responsibility. That's a good, I'm going to use that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I really love it because uh, th this is... I think that this is what we need to embrace in leadership in general, not only in, yes. in outsourcing, but in general in, in running the company because uh, it, it is my company. So everything is that is happening is my fault. Sometimes it is hard. Indeed, it is easier to think that, oh, this uh, VA was not that good or uh, this company was not that good. And you know, and yeah. we are trying to explain things, but in fact, we can make certain changes. So it is good to to realize that yeah. we have this we have this power in our businesses. <laughs> right. One of probably you know really just last point on that that's so interesting is I know that to be true because we've seen where where one business says this VA is you know that's not a good per that's not the good person for the role it's not the right person for that role. So we take them out of that business, right? Maybe that client cancels. We turn around, take the same VA and put them in the exact same role in another company. And all of a sudden they excel. Everybody loves them. We go, okay, hold on. They're doing the exact same thing. So what was it? Well, it wasn't the VA's fault. It was the business owner's fault. And we see that a ton 
And if I can implore business owners to understand and take radical responsibility, their entire lives would get easier. Radical responsibility is so powerful. I love that. All right, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Joe, what is your recommendation to our listeners um, in, in... in order to develop their businesses, in order to move their businesses forward with the help of VAs or yeah. without VAs, just in, you know, in general, what is your advice as a serial entrepreneur? What is the most important to to achieve success in business, in your opinion? Uh, know what you want. So the first thing is, is and, and I mean, I, this isn't the, well, your want has to be so big and your desire has to be so big. That's not what I mean. What I mean is very specifically, understand what you're what you're going after and then reverse engineer your path to get there. So for me, it's very simple. Family first, family above all, right? I say it everywhere on every social profile I have, family above all. The only thing that I care about is time, freedom. Now, financial resources create more freedom. That's a fact. So if you're broke, you need to get unbroke and you need to make some money. If you're not able to take time away because your business doesn't allow you to, you need to fix that. So understanding what the end game plan is, what do you want to actually get out of, out of your business? All of us started our businesses typically because we wanted freedom of some sort. It could be freedom of time. It could be freedom of financial, you know, financial resources could be, we just wanted to do our thing our way and we didn't want to do it for somebody else. That's fine too. But at the end of the day, Everybody wants some level of freedom. And the only way to get freedom is to create financial resources and then free time. And you've got to be able to free time. And so for me, time is the is the biggest thing in the world. And so every single thing that I do and I get involved in is focused on that end goal. If I'm going to start a new company, we started a new company about six months ago, and I gave us six, yeah, four, four and a half, five months to get me out of the business. So we started it from zero. We get going, we get things going. I'm in there, I'm working with clients, I'm selling, I'm doing all my my thing. But I know at the end of four and a half, five months, I won't be involved anymore. And so at this point, I'm not involved in the company hardly at all. And the company's doing very well. And but but that was the end game. So I don't invest in anything. I don't um I, I don't take action that's in, in misalignment with my end goal. My goal is time. Time with my children, time with my wife, time with my family. That's the only thing I care about. And so if my business gets in the way of that lifestyle, then it then I shouldn't be a part of it. Yeah. So I think find what you want and then reverse engineer the path to get there. And do not do anything that pulls you off of that path. I think it's an amazing concept because we hear a lot about working long hours and you know grinding uh, and oh this the is hustle. there is this hustle culture in in uh you know in within entrepreneur gurus out there and i think that what you say is so powerful because this is actually why we start businesses right we start business yes. to have freedom to have time for our families to to have more free time not less free time. Yeah. And unfortunately, most business owners never get there and they end up taking on and their business becomes their new job and they work more hours. You know, they traded their nine to five for basically a a, a 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. job, right? Like that's what they traded. And it's simply because they don't put in processes and systems in place to remove themselves or at least reduce their responsibility within the company. You know, I look at myself, I'm a strategic advisor and an investor in my company. So I look at the big picture, 
we create plans and we create the direction of the company. And then we have the people go execute. So there's a great book called Who Not How. And that's exactly this. So every new thing we're looking to execute, who do we need in order to execute that? It might somebody be somebody we already have. It might be somebody we need to go get. It may be a strategic relationship or a partner or a channel partner or something like that. But almost never do we sit down and say, well, how am I going to go accomplish that? It's not how, it's who. The how is the who. And that's, and that's what? We put the right person in the right role and all of a sudden they go do the how. And so that's been very powerful for us. And I think that it could be for other entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe, for, for your tips. I think that it is really very inspiring for our listeners. So you have uh, the, the virtual assistant agency and outsourcing agency, uh, level yeah. nine virtual. Uh, if our listeners are interested in, in uh, working with you and cooperating with you and, you know, hiring you for, for their businesses, how can they reach out and how they can work with you? Yeah. So level the number nine virtual.com. Top right corner, there's a book of call. That's the easiest way to get moving. Um, two major options that we have for people is if you want to hire somebody dedicated to work in your business, we have virtual assistants that can do pretty much everything. Um, and we just, you know, you hire per skill set. And so if you want that, book a call, chat with our team, and, and we'll help you with that. The other option is project-based work. So if you just know, I got things I need to get off my plate. I've got a graphic design project that I just haven't even done yet. I need some videos edited. I need a website built. I need, you know, my marketing automation tool fixed up or, or whatever the case may be. Project-based work, you can buy a block of hours, outsource some tasks, start to flex that muscle and get good at outsourcing, get good at task assignment and management and things like that. And then our team will manage and take over that project. And we'll make sure that it gets done. And then you just use those hours over a month. It's a really, really easy service for people to get into. And so there you go. Those are the easiest ways to get there. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, we will put the links uh, under the episode in the show notes so that our listeners can immediately jump there and reach out. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. It was such yeah, a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you yeah, for thank me. you for, for the inspiration on Ideas and Leaders. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.